What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, back with another Productivity in Tech podcast. This is the show where I sit down with someone awesome in or around the tech space, and we talk about whatever needs to be discussed. And this week is no different, except for I have arguably the person who got me into podcasting. Um, he was podcasting before podcasting was a thing. He is the first person I know that was inducted into the podcast Hall of Fame, and that is no joke. He has won several podcast awards, although I've heard that is not a labor of love, and I will say is doing so much in the art, streaming, and podcasting space. Everyone listening, please say hello to the person that I talk to on a daily, even though he says nothing back, the one, the only Scott Johnson. Scott, oh my goodness, it is so good to finally have you on this show. Uh, Jay, it's my pleasure, man. I, I We've been trying to make this happen for a while, and it finally happened. And those are all really nice things you just said, but uh, I'm very curious about what kinds of things you say to me when I'm not replying back. Like, if you're listening to a show, I have to assume it's something I'm getting horribly wrong, and uh, you're sort of yelling out corrections uh, to your phone, one would assume. You know, one, it's interesting that in podcasting, there is this one, I would say often one-sided relationship. I think with some of the shows that you do, it's a little different because your community, and as I've said with other people that I've interviewed within the Frog Pants Diamond Club, like I call it a cult, honestly, but it's <laughs> it's like the first cult that I've been like happy to be a part of, I guess. Well, I guess it's the only cult that I've, I don't know. I don't know where that was going, but uh, I... That community is so warm and so welcoming, and it's it's great to know that the people that are kind of leading it are so down to earth, so like happy go lucky, so willing to like just give people shout outs when they need to be shouted out, you know, go to Vegas and just throw like take over esports tournaments and it just do silly and wacky stuff and and your personality like to me exemplifies what the frog pants community is all about and and that was kind of one of the first questions that i wanted to to ask you about was we we often have like this professionalism about us when whenever we do things for other people in fact i am so guilty. Every time I jump onto one of these shows, my voice changes. It gets a little bit deeper. It gets a little clearer. I'm not like, you know, whatever. I don't feel that with you. I feel like the same Scott that is talking on air is like the Scott that's yelling at, at, you know, Jim Rayner, the female dog out on a walk. Am, am I accurate there? Uh, you are accurate. So, um, this is funny. You bring this up because my wife will, um, She'll share the story with a lot of people. When we'd go to events and stuff back when, you know, the before times when we had events and things, 
Um, people would always say, Hey, is he just, is, does he talk like this at home? Like, is he this, this person, what we get on the air is that what we get in real life? And she says that is a hundred percent who he is. And she's right. I don't, uh, for good or for bad, you know, sometimes you might argue that if I took on a persona of some sort and really pushed for it, um, kind of a more of an act about who I was publicly versus privately, you know, maybe there's more money in that. Maybe there's more success in that. I don't actually know because what I opted to do very early on and I've stuck to it is just put myself out there transparently and what you hear is what you get. Like you are not getting a watered down or puffed up or different version than than who I am. And that's always been really important to me. Um, that probably, I, I don't know the math on this, but it probably limits my appeal because like real life, you, you know, nobody wants to, hang around. Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, you know, people want to hang around Michael Keaton cause he's, he was Batman for a while. You know, they don't necessarily want to just go hang out with Michael Keaton if they never heard of what he did before. So sometimes really leaning into characterization or, or, or personality in ways that aren't necessarily realistic. Sometimes that can grow your audience more, but to me that always feels a little artificial and a little flat. And I would rather, I would rather strive for this thing that Tom Merritt, who you've had on the show a couple of times, once told me and I never forgot. He said, we get the chat room we deserve. And it really stuck with me because the kind of people I want to be around are the kind of people I want to be myself around and not have to put on airs or, or you know, try to convince them I'm somebody who I'm not. So this community that we've built up around the frog pants world is just that they're they're people who I could relate to in real life. I could really spend time with, and actually, in a very real way, we do. The show is about connecting on that level, and doing it sometimes very personally. We'll find out somebody's you know going through something hard, and so we talk about them on the show and wish them luck and and uh, let them know we're thinking about them or whatever. And it can be sometimes it can be a little sad, you know. People are bringing up on our morning show somebody dying or somebody going through a horrible illness or you know something else happening during the pandemic that makes things tricky and. My goal has always been to be genuine about those sorts of things. But it also that's this also plays into when we're being goofy, silly and funny. When 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 the comedy kicks in, you're hearing us joke in a way that we would joke if you and I were sitting at a table in some restaurant somewhere having a good time. That's always been the goal. And it's not a hard goal to reach. I think everybody could do it if they just let themselves be themselves. And to be anything else just feels weird to me. Like, I just can't. I can't I cannot fathom the idea of getting on the air and going, all right, everybody, here's a version of me that isn't really me, but you all think it is. And then go home to my, you know, go to my wife and go, hey, honey, I'm a totally different guy up here. Like I just that seems like a foreign land uh, in, a, in a different planet. And it's just not me. Can't do it. I, I would definitely uh, pay, though, to to hear a morning stream opened with, hey, yo, it's your boy, Scott. Like, I mean, I think that that would uh, it would be a. a interesting shift but at the same time like you said i think it would get kind of old after like one or two times yeah and i don't think i could keep it up um for, for very long without either laughing myself out of it or whatever it's one of the one of the things i'm just not great at but you know at the same time everybody's got their their shtick my shtick is just it just for me it just needs to be authentic or else i don't like doing it and uh when there's authenticity it feels it feels right to me and it then it becomes not a job. It becomes it continues to be just a passion and it becomes fun. And, you know, doing a, making a living at this has always been, a, 
you know, a bit of a, uh, an outlier blessing and, and an amazing thing for me, but, um, I don't think I could do it without that, that, um, I don't know that that desire on my part and the willingness of the audience to let me just be myself. Um, if they weren't willing to do that, I don't know if they, I don't know if it'd be as much fun. I think it would just probably not be as much fun. Well, and and you talked about longevity. I mean, there are shows that you've been doing that are now in like the thousands of episodes. Yep. And I mean, especially like if you think of TMS, that is, you know, excluding weekends, it is a weekly show. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has that changed and how have you been able to maintain a show for that long? Well, in that particular case, um, so this is, this is interesting because the, the DNA of TMS of the morning stream was, goes way, way, way back to when I was a kid. I used to really like morning radio, but most of it would wear on me after a while and I'd have to move somewhere else. And I'd like sort of pick up on certain radio stations, the way they did things, the way certain DJs did things. But in the end, it usually would boil down to, I don't know, giggly fake humor and, you know, prank calls and just stuff that is not, that was not what I was interested in. I was more interested in, again, an authentic experience with, with people I could relate to. And so I always said to myself, well, one of these days I'm going to do my own. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to have my own morning show. And, uh, 2011 was the year that I finally decided to, to crack that whip and do it. And I did. And, um, one of the reasons that I think the show has has had the longevity that it's had. We do it every day, Monday through Thursday, plus a bonus episode on Fridays. Sometimes special stuff on the weekends. But yeah, you're right. It's basically a daily show. Um, I think one of the reasons that works is I have pretty good instincts for who I want to work with on, on certain things, certain projects. And when I asked Brian Ibbett, my co-host on the morning stream, to join it, uh, and he said yes, I knew that that was going to be important like who who i chose to to do this with in the long run because i knew it would be a show that would it's either going to go for a long time or end real quick it was really no in between um that was a really crucial decision because uh brian's not just a co-host he's a good friend and someone who i trust and we work well together we bounce off each other very well um we we learned this for a good number of years prior to this on the show film sack which has been around even longer than tms and he was on that show with me as well uh, still is. And um, so I just knew he was the perfect guy for it. That was a huge step. That was the most important aspect of it for me. Um, if you can't do something like this in the long term with somebody you like and respect and um, can even disagree with openly, that sort of thing once in a while, then what are we even doing this for? So that was that was job number one. I feel like I, that got nailed. So the rest of it is just it's just content and showing up, you know, like just being there for it. And I didn't think I knew it would do OK, but I didn't think it was going to be a huge deal. And you got to understand in 2011, uh, nobody was streaming this kind of content yet. Not really. Um, you know, Twitch wasn't uh, the thing it is today. Uh, not even close. And it wasn't. Uh, they were, I'm not even sure Twitch was around in 2011. Now I don't remember. I think they may have been there, but very early video games only. It was an offshoot of Justin TV, you know, early, early days in terms of like a service where you could stream stuff. Uh, I know in, in the case of YouTube, they did not have a streaming option. You couldn't stream from there. So we're using all kinds of weird ideas to do a daily stream. It wasn't just about putting a podcast out. It was about being in front of an audience, having video, having chat rooms, having that kind of interaction. Um, 
I mean, literally, that's why it's called the morning stream. Everyone thinks it means pee, but it's not. I swear. It's not what it means. It just means it's a stream in the morning. And uh, no one ever believes me. But anyway, even Brian doesn't believe me about that, about the origins of the name. But but the point was, uh, and to bring it all back to your question, um, when we, st- you know, when I started that show, I knew I wanted a long-term show that reflected the kind of morning show I would want to listen to if I were on the other end. And that's what we strive to do and make. What I didn't know is that it would, in a lot of ways, uh, blaze new ground in this way. Now there's, you know, endless shows that do a similar thing with live streaming. Um, but it grew and it grew and it grew. It quickly became a temple of the, of the network. It's, it's currently our, uh, one of our highest numbers getters still is, um, certainly the most community engagement It's where all the people really flock to kind of hang out and it really became its own beast. And man, I'm proud of it. Um, you know, we're, uh, what are we now? Like 19, 120 whatever we are episodes we're well into the no i'm sorry <laughs> are we in the 2000s already did my brain just hold on let me look i this is funny to even say to do this because in my head every day i just go and do it i don't really look at the numbers but if i look at them now oh 1958 that's right we are at 19 no technically today was 1959 episodes as of today and that just went like a blip in the night so fast. Like we just, we've enjoyed every second of it and I freaking love it. So yeah, mission accomplished there. That was just the childhood dream to have my own morning show. I didn't know how I'd ever get it when I was a kid. I thought I'd have to be on the radio and that's all changed. And now I can do whatever I want and it's great. So yeah, I'm not sure that answered your question, but it sure got me. It sure gave us a nice little look back into history there. I, I think it definitely did. And and I've only got one more question before we start getting silly. Cause I mean, I laugh at so much of the stuff that you do on, like every day. And there's a lot of it that, you know, you, it's, it's like the multiple sides of Scott Johnson. Like I, I think of the comic artist, I think of, the person that goes to colleges and gives talks to students. I, I look at uh, the person that started a weekly comic about a friend and, you know, about a person and his friend, which is an expired can of cream corn. Like there's, there's a lot of itches that seem to get scratched, including my favorite, which is now gone unfriend me. Um, but that's okay. I won't, I'll blame Justin for that. Yeah. Blame Justin. He canceled it. I he's, was he's never been on this show, so he can't defend himself. I've invited him. So that that's on him. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the, the thing I, I want to ask before we, we really get fun is what, what is it that drives you to do a show or to do a thing? thing about a certain topic you know what what got you to do skim what got you to do you know current geek what got you to do fred and can oh man um boy i mean you know, it's funny no one's ever really kind of asked it in that question like why what why did i pull the trigger on any one of those and i i think it's just this i think all of us go through our lives with ideas that we've got and we just kind of ready aim ready aim ready aim and we never fire on them and um I tend to be the opposite. In fact, you know, I just launched this. It's insane that I did it because I don't have time, but I launched a daily YouTube video game recap um, about a week and a half ago. And what usually and that happened in the same way all these other things you just asked about happen. It's like Fred and Can, for example. I've been doing web comics forever since 2001 or 99 or something like that. 
and uh, and I've always got some ideas for that. But I've always had this weird idea about this guy who had a sentient can of cream corn, or, or at least this guy thinks he does, and has conversations with him, and it's a very esoteric, weird kind of relationship, and. You know, think of a, I don't know, think of Garfield, except there's no cat. It's just a can <laughs> uh, is kind of the idea. And um, it's just kind of been noodling in the back of my head. And one day I just went, why am I, why haven't I done this? And the answer was, you don't have a good reason. So just do it. And I, so I said, all right, I'm doing it. And within like a couple of days, I went from, oh yeah, remember that to it's now up and there's a website and we're doing everything like this is happening. We're going to start building it out and we'll do a collection book later and we got plans for this and that and the other thing and there's a patreon level on the frog pants patreon and like we were just like full bore down the road and committed for the long run and it's weird how that happens the morning show happened a lot like that um most of my shows happen in that way the uh the itch to do something creative i think everyone has it um and some are just so ridiculously talented but never pull the trigger um, for whatever reason. I know people. I know people like this who are just incredibly talented. Make me look terrible if they just executed on what their ideas were, and they for whatever reason they don't. Not everyone needs to, but I have this weird built-in like trigger. Where I just have to do it, and if I'm if I'm feeling particularly um, passionate about a particular thing, and I'm like, this is just I just have to make this, then I just do. And even if it, even if it's a little redundant for something else I'm doing or, or whatever, I just, I'm like, I've got the ability to do it. I've got the, the will to do it. So why don't, why don't, why am I not just doing it? And it's okay to experiment. Maybe it even gets canceled or whatever. It doesn't even have to be a thing that totally sticks, but if I don't try it, I'll never know. And had I done that with the morning stream, it would just would have never happened. And 99% of the things I do would never happen if I didn't just go for it because nobody's going to do it for me and nobody's out there asking for it necessarily. It's just, I don't know. I just feel like you, you got to. And even though I think people could just run laps around me that aren't executing, I decide to execute on my more, more my more mediocre ideas than their more perfected ones. And I just think that if you, you know, I hate that old phrase, you miss all the shots you don't take, but it's true. <laughs> like you just don't, you don't know. So how how do I know that Fred and Can aren't the next isn't the next, you know, world altering comic vision? I mean it probably isn't, but I don't know that. Plus I just really want to make it and I want to explore it. It's also a discipline. I want to pra- I want to be in. I want to be I want to be forcing myself every week to be writing storylines and executing and drawing those stories and and getting it posted and up. There's something really satisfying about seeing all of that stuff through. So I don't know. I just get a weird, a weird satisfaction of saying, here's a thing I could do. Now I will do it. Now I've done it. Hey, look, I went from could do it to did it. And I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. And no one's ever really asked me that before, but that that's, that's the feeling I get from it. One of the things that, that, that makes me think of is some of the best stuff that I've followed for years and years and years you see the progression of it over that period of time. I mean, even this podcast, uh, I, I think I, I started our conversation before we started recording and saying like, this show, this show hasn't been about productivity apps and stuff for like three years now. And that was because over time, I discovered where my best potential, I guess, to interview people came from. It didn't come from saying, well, what calendar app are you using? I mean, it came from being like, I'm going to try my best to be 
the person that that asks a question that makes that person think, wow, I've never thought about it like that. So, I mean, thank you for scratching that itch for me. But the the other side of that is uh, one of the comics that I followed for, oh man, since like 2007 mm. is uh, Questionable Content by oh, Jeff Shock. Yeah. And just going, like every like three or four years or so, I will literally start from art from one and just blaze through them all and just look at them all one by one by one by one. And I still, I still check it every single day. I still read it like every day Mm -hmm. and just looking at the difference in how his artwork has changed, looking at how he's covered some really interesting topics over the last decade and a half. You can tell that that is like the feeling that, it comes to with just saying, I had an idea to do something and I started doing it. And over time, it took a life of its own. And there are some things that people from, you know, issue five will remember when I bring it up again, you know, 2000 issues later. And you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's funny because in the early days, they did this. Like if the, if the can of tomatoes ever comes back in Fred of can, Fred and can, like, yeah. I can think about that moment and just be like, wow, where was I at that time by doing something? And I think I told Tom, I think in the after show, I was explaining this to Tom. One of the things that has guided me so much in what I do is thinking about, does it really matter at the end and not using that as a way to say, oh, well, I shouldn't do it because it's not going to matter. I should do it as a way of saying, if this show gets 15 people that listen to it, that's cool because that means I got to speak to 15 people that I wouldn't be able to talk to on a regular basis. I don't need a million people to be like, this was the best interview ever. And mm-hmm. a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten, you know, five years in has come from just being like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just going to do it, see what happens. And then something cool yeah. comes out of it. Uh, is, yeah, being 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 busy at the thing you're doing is what provides the the opportunities. It's it's crazy how it works. Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, and and like you said, there are going to be thousands of people that are like, oh, well, I could do a morning show better than those two, you know, bumbling idiots. But at the same time, I look at what Tom and Aaron are doing, and it's Tom and Aaron. Is that right on YouTube? Oh, uh, t- uh, oh, Todd and Aaron. Todd, Todd and Aaron. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, okay. I mean, I give them props for doing something, I guess, but all of those people that often say, Oh, well, I could do a better show than, you know, what they're doing. Then why aren't you like, just do it. Like, if yeah, it, go for it. <laughs> you know, exactly. that that's exactly the truth. Like I, I, and when people say, well, what should I do? And how should I do this? When should I do this? I'm like, just do it now. Like get out there and do it. I was just looking at questionable content. Uh, while you were talking about it, and I always do the same thing too, where I will go back to the beginning. I love seeing where an artist starts and where they are now, because just the raw work that is creating a regular strip like that means that your artwork uh, will improve and your writing and everything else to do with the strip. But he's miles and miles ahead of where he was when he started that thing. Uh, if you go look, if you look at the first and then jump to the latest, and I love seeing that. It's true of Penny Arcade or any you know prominent web com- comic. It, uh, the the changes are drastic over time, and I think that's uh, a big part of this. Like if you want to get good at a thing, you just start freaking doing it. And my mo- the most successful things I do were all this kind of whim attitude. Um, the shows with the most listeners, the content with the most views, the things that got 
me into a place where I could do this full time. There are all the things where I went, I'm going to do this. And I didn't care or think or plan and go, all right, if I start this show about World of Warcraft in 2006, I'll have this many listeners by such and such time. And that will remember. I didn't do any of that. All I did was say, I don't like anything that's on the air right now. It's all kind of crappy. I would like to do a show that I would want to listen to. So let's try it out and see what happens. And the rest just came because I was, that's it. I just did the work and it came and it just happened. Um, some of my best ideas are the ones that I don't think too much about. Don't plan too much about just do it and, you know, and, and go like Fred and cans ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. I admit that it's, it's just crazy, but I just had a feeling about it and I didn't care what anyone thought. I just thought I want to do regular comics and I don't want to do what everybody else does. I want to do something different than anyone else is doing. Nobody has a guy living with a can of cream corn. Nobody. And that was enough. If, if, if two people saw it that week and one was my mom, that would be okay. But instead it's grown and done really well and, and uh, continues to grow. And I, I hope, I hope that never ends, but but the but the main goal is already accomplished. I did a thing I wanted to do, and I'm doing it well, and I like doing it. And that's really that's that's it. That's the motivation. It was never a calculated like we get so many viewers, then I know when we can go to the next level. And like it's none of that. And whenever I do think like that, even a little bit with certain projects, those aren't ever the projects that work out. So I don't know if that advice is even any good for anyone, but it served me very well. So. So if anyone out there hears that and goes, oh, okay, interesting, maybe for you too. Just make make what feels right in your gut, and you're probably right that that's the thing to make. Well, I love it. And before we jump into the after show, I have one last question for you, which we can take as long as you want. Um, <laughs> I know that your life has been surrounded like your entire life by video games. You know, you had a dad that worked in the arcade industry when that was prominent. You, one of your biggest, most popular podcasts has been about World of Warcraft so that you don't have to. Um, that's literally the tagline. Um, and you talk about, like I said, you have a daily video game show. Yeah. There is a lot going on in video games whether we're talking about all the scandals, which I'd, I'd rather not talk about, whether we're talking about um, the whole convergence to microtransactions and all of those things. Mm -hmm. What is it about video games? Several years into your, your career, several years into your life being surrounded by them, that has done the opposite of what most people would expect, which for me would be like, well, if my dad was always talking about video games and doing all this stuff with video games, I would never want to play a video game ever again. What, what is it that keeps you locked into that industry as, as deep as you are? Oh man. Great question. Um, I think the answer to that question is that it is still a frontier of limitless, limitless possibilities. It's one of the only things on this planet that we can interact with that can take us to a place or have us do a thing that is totally not normal. It's hard to explain, but you know, a game can let you escape, whether it's uh, an old arcade game that just is like, oh man, this is Joust is awesome. I love playing Joust. Let's play Joust. Joust is great. Whatever that feeling that gives you to play that game, whether it's a competitive sense or whatever it is, 
there's some escape there. But as they as as time has passed and and things have been iterated upon and the technology continues to advance and the uh, the art form that is video games continues to advance. I'm more convinced than ever that it is a limitless possibility for creativity. Um, you know, books and and art and those sorts of things that that it, they were kind of the former version of this. But what we have now is a way to escape into a into a world, sometimes very artificial ones that we would never be able to go to otherwise. And in a lot of ways, it's the final frontier of of our imaginations. Um, we kind of fleshed out all we can flesh out in terms of you know film and television and and yeah we can jump from 4k to 8k but it ain't that big a deal anymore and we're kind of maxing out a little bit on that end of the stuff but when it comes to like creating a world and putting you in that world that will never end and it will just keep going so it's that art form that really compels me i also find the industry fascinating um the way it the way it grows and retracts and makes mistakes and how young it is and seeing it correct itself and, and watching the machine move that is the industry around video games is a, is an equally fascinating thing for me as much as the games themselves are. So having this, this view of both, I really like the personal, um, you know, the personal experience of playing a game and having that, that world, that narrative, those mechanics, whatever sort of overtake me and let me be a part of that world and interact in that world. That's a huge part of it. But I'd love to pull the camera way out and look at it as a business, as a as a, a logistical endeavor. How does all this stuff get done? Um, you know, right now, very controversial in the in the games industry is the idea of crunch time and and uh, workers and, and, and folks, developers, artists and whatnot, all working till all hours of the night up close to a, a game's release. And whether those standards are too loose, too strong, not enough, that sort of thing. Like that's a really fascinating thing to watch for an industry that is relatively young uh, in the overall scheme of things. And so watching them grapple with those kinds of issues is interesting. And, you know, as things scale, they get more complicated and it represents a lot of money now. But I don't know. Gaming is just a fascinating place and it's always something to talk about. It's never there's never been a slowdown. In any of this stuff since I started having interest in it when my dad had arcades when I was in high school. It was like it just sprung from there and continued to grow and it never stopped. And I don't see it ever stopping. I think it, it's, it's, the kind of, it's the kind of art form that regardless of platform or technology or whatever we end up with in our hands or on our heads or in our, in our, uh, on our screens or whatever our tech is moving forward, this will always be not only there, but will be a huge part of pushing those technologies forward. And it's just built in now. So to me, it's like being asked, why do you like to breathe air and drink water? It's, uh, games to me have just are a part of my DNA. And um, there's so much around it and so much more than just, oh, it's a way to waste a little time while you're, you know, waiting for a meeting to start. Or it's a way to pull up your phone and play Tetris for 10 minutes while you're waiting for the dentist to come get you or whatever. Those things are all true, but there's so much more there and I, I love it. I love just soaking in it. It's great. I was wondering how long it would take for a Tetris reference to come in into the conversation. Um, <laughs> I was telling, I think I said on Tom's episode, like one of the highlights of my podcasting career was messaging you and Tom both on the documentary that I watched on Tetris. And the, and the reply that I got back was just, 
dang it, now I want to play Tetris 99 now. Uh, <laughs> it's true, dude. And Tetris 99 is a fantastic game. Like, we're still talking about Tetris in a modern-day context and doing it lovingly. Like, what other business has this? I mean, sure, you can say, well, I love my music from when I was in high school. That'll never go away. But games have a way of bringing things forward with old ideas mixed with new ideas uh, an old look to you know what used to be a limit in video games, how many graphics you could put on a screen at once in the 8-bit era, for example. That look, that feel is now a choice for some games. Some games are like, we're going to make a game and it's going to be it's going to be 8-bit in the way it looks. They don't need to. They don't have to. They choose to. <laughs> they choose to make it look like an old thing. Like, what is that? What part of our psychology responds to that? So that stuff's fascinating to me. And so it's never really just about the games. It's not just about those. It's about... All of that minutia and human beings and like just the way we think and behave and solve problems and and you know what are games in the end of the day I was I was talking about this the other day on one of my shows there was this really ridiculous mobile game it's barely a game I don't even know what, if you can call it that but it's called um, well, I gotta find the name because this will sound this will make sense when people actually check it out and look at it but it's called Amazing Loot Grind okay and what this game is is basically it's a treasure chest and above that treasure chest is a layout like you'd see in a role-playing game of your helmet your chest piece your arm armor your gloves your boots and a sword a shield or whatever like all of those kind of things like you would have in kind of a paper doll sort of rpg screen and the game consists of you opening the treasure chest over and over and over until you get the best possible loot out of that chest and then apply it to the stuff up top. So you have the better gear in your on your layout up top. And all you have to do is play that for 10 or 15 minutes and get a few upgrades and start to realize, oh my gosh, is this video games? Is this, did I just uncover <laughs> the, the whole thing where it's just numbers going up? Is that all this is? Like, yeah, I had a, kind of an existential like crisis. I was like, wait a minute. Is this all games are? Is just just our brain with dopamine hits happening when this one just is better than the last one? So that boop, pops up in our brain. We're like, ooh, I want to do that again. Keep tapping for looting. Keep tapping for looting. And that kind of stuff, that kind of a discovery of how we respond to systems and mechanics and things like that just fascinates the crap out of me. So being able to do something in, in my work where I get to talk around all of this is uh, you know, is really meaningful for me, and I hopefully, hopefully for the listeners as well. Well, I know the information that you've shared during this episode has been meaningful for all the people, no matter how large or how small, um, are listening to this episode. And I really have to thank you for for coming on the show and and imparting a lot of that wisdom. Like I said, there is a lot of pressure that I put on myself to create content that I think that people the likes of Scott Johnson would be like, that is a person doing what they love to do. And I mean, again, there you are probably the person that got me into podcasting because oh. it, it was like, if this dorky dude that just talks about video games and has a bunch of his friends on the air to share stories and, you know, talk about politics and building things and uh, even able to bring in therapy and, and work as a, a free therapy option for a community of people. 
if if someone who literally says, I have no knowledge on any of these things, but I know a bunch of really awesome people that can come in and impart that wisdom, and I can just be the the ringleader of the Frog Pants Circus, if that person can do it, then I can do something to make my community a little bit better. Well, I'm, I'm honored to hear that. And also, when I hear that from people, and I've heard it a few times, um, it makes me really happy because I there's so much satisfaction in what I get to do that I wish that on people. Like it's just so much fun, and if you can find the fun and the passion, then it won't matter whether you make money at it or not. Like I'd still do it even if I didn't, and it's it can it can it can change your life because you know we, we the the opportunity to do what we want to do has never been greater. Um, the, 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 the walls we used to have to climb to get anything done in this space, to get published, to get recorded, to get on the air, those sorts of things are just gone and you don't have to fight the middleman anymore. You don't have to fight the systems that keep young talent out of, out of, uh, you know, out of the arena. And because we can supersede all that stuff now, now there's no, no excuse. Like, I would almost feel just bad about myself if I didn't try these things, (laughs) if I didn't do it, it would be like, well, it was all on the table. Why didn't you just, why didn't you go for it? And um, I don't know, that drives me. So hopefully some listening to this will find some inspiration in that because all of us have something to share, so we may as well do it. And if someone were to take some inspiration from that and uh, actually take action, how would they let you know that they did that? That's that's my let's wrap up and get to the after show uh, uh, thing there. So how would they give, give me that question one more time? So how <laughs> How how would people get in touch with you if they wanted to uh, just reach out and, you know, do all that stuff? Now I get it. Sorry. I was like, wow, that was a really good transition, but I didn't recognize it for how good it was. So that's well done. Um, all right. So, yeah, if, you, if people want to find out uh, what I do, all this talk means nothing if you don't see what the actual work is, I suppose. So head on over to frogpants.com. It's all there. Everything links to everything. It's all there. This Fred and Cam business we talked about it's linked right there. You want to see this daily YouTube channel thing? It's there. You want to hear my radio shows, any of them. There's a whole podcast page just full of links. Everything you'd ever need, frogpants.com. And I had so much fun being on, man. Well, there are some of your friends that are in the two-timers club. So uh, we'll have to figure (laughs) out how to get you in, in the club as well. But I want to thank everybody that has listened to this episode. And I always tell people, I'm not asking you to rate and review the show I, I do ask if you enjoy it to, you know, let me know or tell a friend, you know, share the love, I guess. But more than anything, check out what Scott's doing over at Frog Pants. Uh, that is all I'm asking for because he has been, like I said, such an inspiration into what I do. And ultimately, he's way more prepared for anything that y'all could offer than what I am. Uh, so I tell people, thank you for listening to productivity and tech the podcast. Uh, if you are wanting to figure something out, reach out to me. You can do so on Twitter. I'm at KJY Miller. And of course you can find previous episodes and everything else at productivity Click the podcast button at the top. And last but not least, thank you to Nadir Omawale for the intro and outro music, A Hustler, in spite of myself. Um, That's going to be it. I hope for a little bit of this conversation. We were productive and I just hope we had a lot of fun. So, Scott, are you ready to jump into the after show? I am. I'm wearing 
a uh, one-piece uh, swimsuit from the 20s. Uh, it's very uncomfortable, so let's jump in now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came that, up, but it did. That, that's perfect. I love that. I've, I've, oh, man. Oh, man. 